Thank you so much. So honored and privileged to be here. My name is Heather Sexton, and my husband pastors a church right outside of Memphis, the church that my grandpa started 60 years ago. And such an honor to be there to be there in Memphis, and such an honor to be here today. Honestly, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I thought, is this real? <laughs> is this true? I just can't believe it, and I'm very, very thankful. And just being around Miss Wilkerson and talking to her just a little bit on the phone, I just think what a a wonderful pastor's wife of just beauty and grace. And um, wow, what an example you are to so many of us pastor's wives. And so thankful also for Miss Stubblefield and a friend for so many years and such a blessing and enjoyed so much being with her last night. And then her daughter, Melissa, that's such a good, dear friend. And just so thankful to be here today, so privileged, so honored. And I don't want to take up your time, but I do have a burden and something on my heart that the Lord gave me when Mrs. Wilkerson mentioned the different seasons. It's funny when you hear a word and then you start reading your Bible, you see seasons almost in every chapter. But I wanted to do what the Lord would have me to do. And it's something that kind of the Lord has used in my life recently and pretty much changed my life because of this season. Um, I thought about the different seasons with this conference, and I thought about what we like about different seasons. We've already talked a little bit about that today, but the things that we dislike about different seasons. When we think about spring, we talked about several ladies mentioned planting flowers, sunshine, and warm weather. What's some things that y'all dislike about spring? Can you tell me? Allergies. Very good. Weeds. Bugs. And even April has a lot of rain, right? So in every season, it seems like there is, there is some negativity. When I think of the season of summer, I think of vacation, more free time. What's our dislikes about summer? Hot, yes, weeds again. Very hot where we're from. This was so beautiful to go outside today. It was beautiful weather. We still are very hot. And I told my girls, I said, we need to dress with sweaters, you know, for going up north. And it's not as cold as I imagined it, but much more beautiful than at home where it is still hot. What about fall? What do you think about fall? We think of cool weather, sweaters, pumpkins, leaves, changing bonfires. My husband loves to hunt, and so he loves fall season. How many of you have husbands that are hunters? Anybody else? My girls are also hunters. I am not a hunter, but they enjoy fall weather. But I could not think of one thing about the fall that I disliked. Can y'all think of anything? I can't hear you. Oh, shorter days. I guess that could be a negativity. But really, fall is such a beautiful season. There's not weeds. There's not, many mos- there's not mosquitoes. And it's just a beautiful season. I think of winter. We think of Christmas and snow. The dislikes are shoveling snow, right? Cold weather. And then dealing with ice, which we don't deal with down in the south. So that's a blessing. When we talk about seasons, the season that came to my heart that I've really, um, I guess, been focused on the last two years is this season of prayer. And I'll be honest, I got saved when I was eight, and I I remember as a teenager walking with God. And I wanted to also tell you what an impact that this church, as a teenager, we would come every March in our spring break to pastor school. And I remember leaving with a dream and leaving with, wow, could God use me? You know, could, could this be possible? in my ministry, and I just want to thank First Baptist Church and the example that you set for so many churches. Um, But thinking about prayer, I, I remember even as a teenager having a prayer list. I remember walking with God as a teenager, dreaming that maybe God might use me one day. But the Lord started convicting my heart in the area of prayer about two years ago. And if we could turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel 1, verse 1 through 20, And this is such a precious story about a lady um, that just prayed, and God did a miracle in her life. But 1 Samuel 1, and it starts out with Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives, 
And I'll start reading in verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this, went, this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And I think of Hannah and the example that she had of a season of prayer. It was her heart's desire to have a baby. And if we were to pull back the curtains of all of our hearts, we each have a desire or a burden that's in our heart that we would love to see happen. It might be a child to be saved or come back to the Lord. It might be a husband to be saved. It might be a marriage to be restored. It might be just for God to use you or to have a burden lifted. The desire that Anna, Hannah had occupied her thoughts every day, constantly. And then in the days that she would put it out of her mind, Penina was sure to bring it back up. And the Bible says that she went to, Sh to Shiloh year by year. So I don't know how many years this happened, but it happened very annually, but we don't know how many years she waited. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it was several years, I'm sure. But I see here that Hannah had a need. And if we were to raise our hand in this building today, and we were honest, we all have a need. We have something that is a burden on our heart, something that we would love to see God do, and it would be only God that could do it. And then I see, number two, is Hannah had an adversary. Now, I think sometimes we don't realize it, but we have an adversary. The last two years, I have honestly never seen the devil fight with, with such rage, with such, um, just the way he has fought. And I believe maybe most pastor's wife might say the same thing, that we've seen the devil fight us personally. We've seen the devil fight our churches. He knows he does not have long. And we have an adversary. Um, and the day, one day that I was, I was kind of struggling with just a battle, spiritual battle, my daughter, Brooke, had picked up a soldier at some store. They were handing him out at the cash register, and she, she gave it to me. I don't know why she gave it to me. She said, Mom, you want this soldier? And it was as if the Lord told me, Heather, 
This is a battle. You are our soldier. And you've got to become a prayer warrior. Prayer is your weapon, Heather. Prayer is the tool that you need. And like I said, I did have a prayer list. I had pages upon pages that I felt like I had to get through every day, right? But I didn't have, I believe it wasn't a prayer life, a life of prayer. And so I, I asked the Lord, you know, what would he have me to do? And I actually read an article, and I believe someone at First Baptist wrote it, about giving God an hour every day to talk to him. And I did that, and I can honestly say, and I know maybe many of you pray more than an hour a day, but I honestly have seen God do miracles in my life. And I'm more now not trying to get through a prayer list. I do have an outline, but I'm trying to talk to him and talk to him about everything. In the morning now, I can't wait to sit down and just talk to him about the day that I just had and the mistakes that I made, the things that I wish I could do better at, and just love on him. So many times we are so busy that we neglect the most important tool that we have. We neglect the most important tool. Hannah's adversary was worse at times of worship. Have you ever felt that way? When you set a time, a time to worship the Lord, the devil is right there, shooting darts into your head. Or maybe at your time on Sunday when you go to the, to the house of the Lord to expect something from God, there the adversary is. I think Hannah's adversary knew she had a weak spot. You know, the devil watches my patterns. He knows when I'm struggling, and he knows what makes me struggle. He knows that exact word that someone's going to say to me that's going to cause me to go in a tailspin um, or to cause me to doubt or whatever it might be. Hannah's adversary was persistent. Hannah's adversary wanted to destroy her peace and joy. But I can honestly say that the adversary is in the hand of the Lord. And God had to use that adversary to get Hannah to call out to God like she has never called out to God before. God wants the adversary to drive us to prayer. The Bible says all things are for your sakes and all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, if I were to tell you I cleaned all my house this week, that literally does not mean all my house. That does not mean every baseboard, every blind, every curtain. But when God says all, he means all. All things work together for good. And God knew that Hannah had to have that adversary to drive her to prayer. Seasons came and went and all stayed the same until Hannah prayed fervently with tears. She went to the temple and she poured out her soul. And I truly believe, now the Bible doesn't say this, but... I believe she told God everything. I believe she even had to maybe even forgive Penina. And that's one of the things in my own life is I ask God, Lord, I want to be closer to you than I have ever been. We don't know how long we have. We don't know if the Lord's coming back this afternoon or he's coming back next year. We don't know how long we have with our family. And I want to make a difference. I don't want to do 50% of what God sent me to do. I want to do 100%. Now, I don't even know if that's possible, but I'm sure with the Lord, anything's possible. But I want to fulfill all that God sent me to do. And I remember when I got serious about a prayer life and spending time with God and fellowship with him and getting, getting to know him um, and talking to him, I like to walk and to pray. And I know my neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I'm just talking away, you know. But the one good thing is they might think I'm just talking on the phone. But he wants to talk to us like a sister and like a best friend. He wants us to talk to him. You know, have you ever been around someone that you knew didn't care anything about what you were saying? I'm very quick to just shut my mouth, like, you know, 
I can tell that you're not into this. But did you know the Lord loves to hear our voice more than anybody in the world? Remember when your babies first said their first word? And you wanted it to be mama, but it ended up being daddy. But you know how you cherish that? Like, can you say it again, Madeline? Say mama, mama, right? And you cherish that. And I believe so much more than a baby. God is zooming on us. Heather, are you going to talk to me? I love to hear your voice. I love to hear your voice. And I know in times in the past, when I had pain, I would run to my husband or run to a friend. But I left with the same pain oftentimes, even though they tried. But when I pour out my heart to God, and I can honestly say this, he heals the insides of you. The last two years, I don't think I've ever poured out my heart to God any more than I have lately. And every time, something that the Holy Spirit has a power that we cannot explain, and he can heal us. He can heal us when no one else can heal us. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For I will restore health unto thee. I will heal thee of thy wounds. And one of the reasons I believe God gives us a burden is to give us fervency in our prayer, to cry out to God and to tell him what's on our heart and to tell him what's on our mind. Remember when we were expecting a baby, we were so excited for that labor to delivery, not because it didn't hurt. It did hurt, but we were tired of the burden, right? We were excited about having that baby. We wanted to see that baby, but the burden had gotten so heavy. And you know, sometimes God puts burdens on our heart that are so heavy, and he's waiting to hear our voice, and he's waiting for us to cry out to him. The Bible says, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous man availeth much. Availeth means to have force behind, to cause an effect. But we get to pray to someone that loves to hear us talk. I believe the problem that I was having was I was rushing through my prayer time instead of enjoying talking to someone that loves to hear me talk. We are so busy as women, as mothers, that we don't, the most important thing we have in the most important time of our day, we rush it, and we don't, we don't enjoy it. Anything that I rush, I do not enjoy. If I'm having to rush at school, just like that video, you don't enjoy the time with your children. You're trying to get there before the bell rings, right? If we're trying to enjoy getting ready or cleaning our house or cooking, I never realize that I really like cooking when I'm not rushing, right? And so many times, if we take time to just enjoy the Lord, to take time to enjoy the Lord, we can walk and pray, drive and pray, and talk to him about everything. But when is the last time you enjoyed your father? And then God used the adversary to drive her to complete surrender. Even the adversary is in the hand of God. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And when I was getting serious with God a couple years ago, I said, Lord, if there is anything in my life that would prevent you from hearing me, please let me know, and I meant it. And you know what he did? He showed me. He showed me things that were hidden in my heart that I had even forgotten about. Have you ever hid something so well that you even forgot where you hid it? But you know, sometimes we do that in our heart. He started bringing up people to mind, Heather, you never forgave her. And I believe as pastor's wife and preacher's wives, we, we sometimes get hurt. And what causes us to become bitter, we have to forgive. If I want God to use my husband and to bless our ministry, I've got to have a clean heart with people. And God started bringing things to my mind. I had to go to people, and I had to say, I'm sorry. I had to call people that I had prayed for for years, but I had never truly witnessed to. But it was a time of purging and a time of getting serious with God. 
I remember as a teenager pouring out my heart to God and saying, I want to be right with you, but so many times we get busy as women and we live our lives, but we're not even thoroughly right with the Lord. So every day when I talk to the Lord and I start in the morning, I say, Lord, is there anything in my life that would cause me not to claim the promises of God? And that's the second, the next point I want to say is God, um, if we are thoroughly right with God, we are able to claim every single promise he has. Now, Hannah was given a promise, and she clung to it. I think of different mothers in the Bible and different, actually, mothers in history, as I was studying the subject, that their prayers made an eternal difference. I'm going to read you a couple of them. Mary Ball Washington, mother of George Washington, regularly retired to her room between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning for an hour of reading and prayer. And that hour, no one was ever allowed to interfere with. Susanna Wesley, mother of John and Charles Wesley, vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. It was said of Hudson Taylor's mom, she went to her room alone and turned the key in the door to plead with God for her son's salvation and resolving not to leave that spot until her prayers were answered. This is the prayer of a mother who prayed for the salvation of her only son one Sunday afternoon in 1849. Later that day, her son told her that he became a Christian. His name was Hudson Taylor. He spent 51 years in China as a missionary and founded the China Inland Mission. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers and they've always followed me. I heard this poem once, and it just blessed my heart, and I'm going to read it to you. Teach Me How to Pray by J.R. Miller. A little child missed her mother at a certain time every day. The mother's habit was to slip away upstairs alone and be gone for some time. The child noticed that the mother was always gentler, quieter, sweeter after she came back. Her face had lost its weary look, and it was shining and more cheerful. Where do you go, Mama? The child said cheerfully. When you leave us every day, I go upstairs to my room. Why do you go to your room? You always come back with your face shining. I go to pray, replies the mother reverently. The child was silent for a little while, and then she said softly, Mama, teach me how to pray. You know, we teach our children how to brush their teeth, how to comb their hair, how to make their bed. But when do we teach our children how to pray and to pray effectively? What gets me is we don't know what our children and our grandchildren are going to face in the world that we live in. And if we do not teach them how to get a hold of God, and know that he hears our prayers. That's the most valuable thing we can give him. I wonder what would happen if every mama would get serious about prayer. Statistics say 379 minutes a week a woman spends shopping, five hours a day on the internet, 24 hours online a month, three hours, 15 minutes on the phone every day. We are so busy, but we're missing the main we're missing the tool that our children need to learn, and they need to see that it works. I pray with my girls sometimes, and I just want them to hear what I'm praying about because I want them to see it work. Through prayer, Hannah's prayer, God gave her a promise. When you thoroughly get right with God, you have the ability to claim every promise of God. William Carey said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. So I rewrote my prayer list. And I rewrote the first two pages with the promises of God because I knew if I'm thoroughly right with God, as, as good as I could get, then I can claim every promise in that word of God. The Bible says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto me, to you. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Her promise gave her hope. 
I want so badly, because I know there's ladies in this building that are hurting. You are going through things that you couldn't even explain to someone. It hurts so bad. But did you know the Lord wants you to have hope? Hope that there's a brighter day. I think of if the main verse, um, Galatians 6, 9. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And I wonder if there's a fainting season that comes before every reaping season where it would be so easy to give up, to faint, and to walk away. Because the devil doesn't want us to understand that the next season that's coming after a season of prayer is something we couldn't even imagine. I think of even get to speak here is something I never, I remember sitting back there one conference and thinking, wow, I wish God could use me. Never dreaming that God would allow me and I know I'm nothing. I, just, I honestly think it was just the Lord saying, I love you, Heather. But our season after a prayer season, when we get thoroughly right with God, he does the exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. I think of David's three mighty men, Eliezer. He clung to the sword until what? Anybody want to tell me? His hand claved to the sword. He couldn't even let it down if he wanted to. And you know, the promises of God, I think of sometimes, remember when your children were little and you would swing them? And he would hold on to their hands so they wouldn't fall backwards. And you'd say, hold on tight, hold on tight. And you know what God's saying, Heather, I gave you the promises of God. You hold on with all that you have. And you never let go. You never let go. We don't ever, we need to, whatever we do, we don't need to let go. I think of Darlene Rose. Have any of you ever heard of the story of Darlene Rose? An amazing missionary. Her and her husband, Russell, were missionaries to New Guinea in World War II, it broke out, and when the Japanese forces arrived, the couple was sent to a separate concentration camps. As Darlene handed her husband Russell his clothes in the Bible, he, as he was about to be taken away on, a, on a, a truck to a different concentration camp, he said, remember, dear, one thing. God said that he would never leave thee nor forsake thee. She didn't know that those would be the last words she would hear her husband say, for he would die in that concentration camp, and she was only around 26 years old. For four years, she suffered appalling conditions, near starvation, forced labor, beating, malaria, dysentery, and constant threat of execution. Darlene was determined to be a good soldier. This is a battle, and she was a soldier. One of her, a preacher friends that also worked there, he told her, his last words to her were, whatever you do, Darlene, be a good soldier. And so she was determined for the cause of Christ that she would be a good, good soldier. They accused her of being a spy, and she was sent to be beheaded. One day, she looked over the walls as she was waiting her execution, and she saw a banana tree. And she had been served, I believe, rice, but it had worms all in it for every meal. And she thought in her heart, Dear Lord, I don't know how you could do this for me, but I would love to have one of those bananas. She said, I don't know how you could do that, Father, but please, I'd love to have a banana. An officer that she had at the concentration camp before came and saw her, and she was so excited to see him. And when she left, a man came in with 92 bananas and put them on the floor in front of her. Of course, she wept. Not only did God give her one banana, but he gave her 92 bananas. And no matter what we go through, his eye is upon us. You know, the devil wants us to think that God doesn't see you. 
the Lord doesn't care. This could never turn out for good. But we have to believe that a season is coming. A better season is coming. And she said she would cling to the promises of God. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And she would cling to the promises of God. And if you're in a difficult time right now, I encourage you to write out the promises of God. And when you pray every morning, talk to him about his promises and remind him every promise of, of God was for you. Sometimes I think God loved Ruth or Esther or Mary more than he loves Heather Sexton. But is that true? No. God somehow loves me as much as he loved Esther or Ruth or Hannah. And he wants to hear and answer our prayers just like he did for Hannah. Her promise gave her hope. And then I think when we decide to have a season of prayer, we say, you know what, I'm going to get serious about prayer and I'm going to claim the promises of God. We can expect the seasons following to be beyond what we ever dreamed. I think of the story of J. Frank Norris's wife. Such a powerful, powerful testimony. Brother J. Frank Norris had just been called to pastor First Baptist Church of Fort Worth. He had just been through several battles and it had left his health shattered. He was very young at the time, but First Baptist of Fort Worth was the richest church in Texas, and he tried to fit in for two years until he could take no more, and he told his wife, I'm done. I'm done with the ministry. I'm going to go, and I'm going to preach for my friend in Kentucky, and then I'm walking away. He determined that he would take his family from, to California where no one knew them and give up serving the Lord. He went to church that night, and as he was about to go up to preach, the pastor whispered in his ear, do you see that man in the back? He's the meanest man in all this country. If you can reach that man, you can reach the country. So he decided he would give it all that he had because he believed that that was his last time to preach. As he was preaching, Brother Norris said later, I saw that old red-faced sinner bury his face in his hands. It was a hot night, and I didn't know what it meant, but in a minute, he just reached up, reached up behind and tore his old red, red bandana loose. I saw him bury his face in it, and his frame shook like a leaf in a storm. And something happened in this tired, weak frame of, of mine, and I stood up on my hind feet for the first time in a long time and felt strong. And I said, if there's a man here who's a sinner lost, will they come to the Father's house tonight? Come on, come on. I can see that old sinner now as he got up and started down the aisle. He had that old red bandana handkerchief in one hand and his cowboy hat in the other. And we could hear him coming. Listen, folks, he didn't stop to shake hands with me, but he fell there headlong on his face. His wife sitting over there saw him, and she let out a shout that anybody could have heard a mile away. She came running and fell by his side, and in five minutes there was more than 50 men and women in that altar seeking Jesus Christ. And salvation came down, and at 11 o'clock the train that I was supposed to be on whistled and left, and there were still pe people getting saved. 12 o'clock came, and folks were still getting saved, and 1 o'clock came, and they were still shouting, and 2 o'clock came, and we were still there. When Brother Norris finally got back to the house, it was 3 o'clock a.m. His wife had been calling him and trying to get a hold of him. I went to the telephone and tried to talk. Wife? We have had the biggest meeting you have ever saw. More than a hundred, a half a hundred sinners have been saved, and they're still shouting all over this country. And the best part of it, wife, is you have a new husband. He's been rescued tonight. He's coming home, and we're going to start life over again, and we're going to lick the tar out of that old devil and build the biggest church in the world. And she said, I knew it was happening. I've been praying for three days and three nights. I haven't slept a wink, and tonight I had the answer to my prayer. I've been praying that this thing might happen, and my joy is complete, and my cup runneth over. J. Frank Norris credits his wife and her prayers for saving him in his ministry. Could your prayers for your husband save his ministry? The mysterious hand of God moves behind the scenes. 
when I decide to have a season of prayer and to give myself to prayer, something's happening that I'm not even seeing. I think of the, in the morning before you leave, I like to turn on the dishwasher and the washing machine. Why? Because they're going to work while I'm doing something else, right? And you know what? When we pray, when we're thoroughly right with God, claiming the promises of God, something's happening behind the scenes that we never imagined. You know, today it's fall outside, but the leaves are right now preparing for winter. They're preparing for winter. And when winter comes, the animals and the trees are preparing for spring. Something's happening that we can't see. The devil doesn't want us to believe that, but when I'm praying, something's happening that we cannot see. After I had had this season, I decided that I was going to get serious about prayer. You know, the devil wants to get you discouraged that nothing's going to change or the Lord can't use you. But I was at Walmart one day, and we had been out soul winning that morning. And have you ever had a day out soul winning when no one's interested and everyone's rude? (laughs) Have you ever been there? And the devil gets in your ear and he says, you know what, Heather? I just don't know. You know, and and he starts telling you, nobody really wants the old-time way. And I remember being very low that day. God, I want you to use me. But it just seems like nobody wants it anymore. And I went to Walmart in the produce department. And I felt like the Lord was telling me to give that lady a track. And in my heart, I thought, Lord, she's just going to be rude like everyone else today. But I gave her a track. And she told me, she said, that's funny. We were just talking about church. I said, well, we sure would love to have you. And how many times do people tell us they're coming that they don't come? And honestly, I wasn't even looking for her. But um, one of our ushers said, you have a visitor today, and it was her. And I was so glad to see her. And all during invitation, she would just weep. And I talked to her, and she said, I know I'm not saved. She said, I made a profession when I was younger, but I just did it because everyone else did it. I'm not saved. She came every single week for about six weeks, crying every invitation. And I, she called me, and I talked to her, and I said, Miss Bobby, if, if you get to the point, you know, the Lord wants to save you. The Lord wants to save you. And she said, well, I just want to make sure I'm ready. And it was a Monday morning, and she called me, and she said, Heather, I'm ready. And I said, oh, Miss Bobby, I'm so glad. And she got saved. And I have never seen someone I personally led to the Lord so quickly to just, she, has, she honestly has the same standards I do within six months. Anything the Holy Spirit told her, she got rid of it. Anything the Lord told her to do, she did it. She passes out tracts constantly, and she's an encouragement to me. After every service, Heather, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. I mean, she is an encouragement. She's praying for me right now. But you know what? The devil wants us to think that a better season isn't coming. But let me encourage you. It is. It's on its way right now. And then if not, if, if you know the Lord were to come back right now, the best season of all will be here. You know, the Bible says, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for us? The next generation is depending upon us and how we pray. Hannah's burden produced a prayer that gave her a son, not just a son, he was a prophet, he was a priest. God gave her a man that would influence generations to come. And you know, God will always do exceedingly abundantly above if we choose to have a season of prayer. So I'm going to pray and then we'll be just good. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day, for this time. Dear God, I pray that, Lord, you would use the words that were said. And God, I pray that you would give us a burden to have a season of prayer. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.